0: This is Journey with Care. We're in our series, The Flavors of Care. In a world where creativity and emotional depth hold the power to shape our perceptions, we encounter a unique individual who embodies the very essence of artistic expression. The creative, also known as the Enneagram Type 4. The creative exemplifies the untamed power of imagination and deep emotional connection. With a natural talent for turning feelings into art, they paint life's canvas with vibrant hues from their inner world, inviting others to experience the raw beauty of existence. Beneath their creative exterior lies a soul resonating with human experiences, navigating joy's peaks and sorrow's valleys with poetic grace. Their authenticity and vulnerability create an irresistible magnetism, drawing kindred spirits together to celebrate the intricacies of emotion. Amid their journey, the creative embraces the harmony between their passions and yearning for connection. This dance lets them forge soulful relationships, offering solace and inspiration to those they touch. In the creative's presence, you're transported to a realm of sensitivity and understanding, where the nuances of existence are explored Their ability to evoke emotions fuels personal growth and artistic awakening. Today, we're honored to host two guests that embody the creative, Janet and Marcia. Through their insights, we'll unravel the creative's impact and transformative magic. Prepare to be captivated as we explore the Enneagram Type 4, the creative. So let's get curious and let's start the conversation.
1: grab your spoons. Today, we're going to dig into a delicious flavor, also known as the creatives. If you are an Enneagram follower, you'll know this as the Enneagram four. And with me here in my Shasta studio, I am just delighted to have Marcia Hamm and Janet Blatz here with me, both creatives. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. Thanks for having us. Well, it is so good to have you. And I have to say and give you a little credit where credit is due. That uh, way back, maybe last year in the pandemic, we had this conversation and here I just sat with two creative people and they were just dishing into the Enneagram and their their deep inner worlds. And I was intrigued. And you actually are the inspiration for this series. So thank you. No problem.
2: (laughs) I didn't realize we were.
1: Well, a lot of uh, creatives don't always know the impact that they have on on challengers like myself, but we need you in this world. Marcia, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Give us a little introduction.
3: Sure. I am a school teacher right now. I actually have a unique position right now where I get to teach Bible half of the time at a Christian school and then do pastoral and take kids on service trips and plan chapels and things like that. And I feel like after kind of a long journey in the church and trying to figure out, do I want to be a teacher? Or do I want to be in ministry? This is kind of the perfect landing spot for me. And I, I really love what I'm doing right now. I'm also the mother of three, and we have very intense children, uh, some neurodiversity. So it's always an adventure.
1: Janet, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Well, right now I am working in a group home with kids that are part of the foster care system. And so to be able to be a parent figure to these kids who are wrestling with trauma, with the sense of belonging with the sense of identity. Yeah. And so then rest of my time, I actually help out here with Care Impact and helping out with their tech.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah, Janet is behind the scenes a lot of the time, whether it's book clubs or hosting online classes and things. And also you're planning a retreat and you're putting a lot of thought and feeling into making it a good experience, I noticed.
2: Yes, I am. I like to sense what what is needed for the team and to bring that out and to um, create a space where people can feel safe and to be able to connect with God, but also connect with the team as well.
1: And Marcia, you and I have met through mutual friends, and one of the things that I've appreciated about you and how we've connected is that you have a depth to your communication and how you engage with others, the way you read the room is something special. I don't know if you inherently know that, that you bring that, but you you do add that warmth and that depth to, to a conversation. So I wanna ask you, Marcia, uh, we've been going through flavors and flavors of ice cream, just to have a little bit of fun. As a creative Enneagram Four, what type of ice cream would you give yourself Well, I don't like to
3: limit myself. So I have a hard time saying that I have a favorite because I don't want to be restricted. So I typically actually go just for vanilla. And then I want to put different things in the vanilla ice cream or on the vanilla ice cream. So I can be flexible and creative. So
1: is it more like what you're in the mood for?
3: Yes. Um, And I will always default to like caramel, peanut butter, salted caramel, or chocolate, but I don't want just one thing ever. I need uh-huh. contrasting flavors and contrasting textures. That's really important to me. Ah. So it'll just depend how I feel. And often I'll end up and landing on maybe a very similar thing to the last time I had ice cream, but I have to reassess my feelings about it every time.
1: Interesting. I love
2: that. Janet, what, would, what type of ice cream would you give yourself? I would kind of go along the same lines of Marcia, but there's a, always just the little something that not everybody would try. I know growing up I always took the lime sundays from Dairy Queen because that was it was a bright green and weird color and no one else wanted it and so it's like good I like this. And I also like orange sherbet, but then I also like the variety of like trying to be creative and trying to put things together and come up with new different recipe.
1: Okay, so in the introduction in the episode the beginning episode of this series me and Tamara, our, our guests there, was were trying to guess what it would be. I said maybe I would take you, if I were going to take you for ice cream, I'd take you to Marble Slab because you'd have to be in the mood for whatever it is. And I couldn't tell uh-huh. what I'd actually, what ice cream I'd bring to the party. Yeah. I'd yeah. have to take you there? Yeah. I think that's wise. Yeah. Yeah? yeah? Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about being a creative. What is it like? And and obviously, it's very personal to you. One of the things that I loved when you first came in here, well, we're not like the usual fours. <laughs> like how four is that? Um, we're not we're not the typical creatives. <laughs> we're unique. <Yeah. laughs> Did you notice the irony in your statements? Then I thought it was beautiful. I wish I had it recorded. But how would you let others know about yourself as a creative? Give us a little snapshot of what it's like to be you.
2: Being creative doesn't mean that you're just a piano person or just a teaching person. Creative can be like all kinds of stuff. And I found my creativeness through all kinds of different venues of like painting or drawing or photography or just even reading and gathering quotes. And that's why I have all my books here is because you did bring books didn't you just because there's so many depth to what creatives could look like and I was listening to a podcast lately and they had a whole bunch of fours on there and they said the reason why art needs to be brought to the front floor of the church is because there's so much depth to art and creativity that you might not necessarily always have the words what your feeling, or what's going around, or expressing it, and so then you need these other depth and other resources around you to bring it to the front. So, court. for
1: example, what would it be like for you to express yourself in in
2: finding that mode? Well, depends on what the situation is. Partly is that if I am really sad, I like to listen to amazing sad songs and just be in there and just having the surroundings reflect to what I feel. Yeah. And just sitting in that.
1: I, I love the story. If I could just interrupt here. I love the story one time you were driving, you came back and you said, Wendy, the clouds today were just so gloomy and gray and beautiful. I just had to stop at the side of the road and take a picture. It was just and the depth that you said that in, you just felt the clouds. And I had to stand there and be in amazement and say, wow.
2: You loved the gloomy clouds. Like yeah. I don't get it, but you you really felt them. Yeah, it was an amazing beautiful foggy day and you could see it coming off the the ground and the sky and the ground meeting together and it was just this bright light coming through it and it was just a beautiful drive and I almost missed my turn off because I was so enthralled by it.
1: And I would have missed the beauty in that had you not said it. Now when I see clouds and I see mist and gray, you say it much more eloquently than gloomy clouds. You said it was just like the mist and the whatever. I have a deeper appreciation because of, of that moment. <laughs>
3: yeah, I think that actually, to me, is one of the things that fours have that other people don't have and creatives have is almost a sensitivity to mm-hmm. beauty around us. Like it's sometimes I tell my husband, it feels like I don't have skin on mm because I'm just hyper aware. And so that means I'm hyper aware of the beauty, but then I'm also hyper aware of the pain Mm -hmm. and the nuance and like the exceptions. Often I notice the exceptions. And so to me, that's a really key part of who I am. And that's part of the, I think, why we live in our feelings so much (laughs) (laughs) because we sense so much.
1: So is it a feeling that you have in the room, whether it's happy or sad or all the nuances or...
3: Yeah, I think it's feelings. It's it's even just kind of tone if it was with people. I feel like it's like an intuition maybe. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's not necessarily an emotion, but I can I can talk to somebody and kind of feel this intuition about who they are and kind of what's underneath, and I can't mm-hmm. really describe it better than that probably.
2: The word I would use is energy. I can almost feel the energy and the the thing that's going on in the room. I can almost step into a room and feel who's off and who's not and and they're almost wraps around me is this Hmm. feeling of what's going on in the room
1: interesting and and the the creatives that I know and I have in my life um they're also I've noticed something that people feel safe around you I feel safe around both of you I've invited you back because I've had deep conversations with both of you that I may not have with others that wouldn't sit well, in in deep things, it feels like to me nothing can go deep enough or too dark or too too much in the feeling wheel. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> yeah, and you can sit with that. Yeah. Now, I want to go into your personal stories and how you have discovered more of who you are, uh, understanding yourself as made in the image of God, that God created you with these attributes growing up as a child and even into adulthood, even the choices that you have made. Maybe Marcia, we'll start with you. Can you tell me a little bit about your story? Sure.
3: I wanted to start a little bit just to give you a sense of what kind of kid I was. Um, I was remembering yesterday that I planned my whole funeral when I was 12. Wow. Because I just was reflecting on the, you know, the depth of death and how, people might remember me and what songs would be really meaningful. And I just didn't want people to just have, I didn't want a normal funeral, right? So my funeral had specific songs with a specific um, outline and I couldn't find it this morning. I really wanted to. So that's kind of where I lived in this, like always overthinking, over-contemplating everything. Um, But I also lived out of my emotions. I live primarily out of my emotions. It's very difficult for me not to. And so I was raised in a culture that was more about doing right things and believing right things. But feelings did not factor into either of those things. You just did it because it was right, because you believed it was right. And so being someone who had all of these complex and deep feelings in that culture was really challenging for me. I always felt like I was too much and I didn't know how to be enough or to be good enough or to be perfect. I wanted to be perfect. I made a vow when I was a teenager actually that, you know what, I'll just be perfect. Like that's how I'm gonna get people to love me here. So I'm just gonna... I'm just going to be perfect, be the perfect Christian. And how did that work out for you? Well, you know, actually, I tell people all the time, it actually worked out really good in one sense. Out, on the outside, it worked out like visibly to people. So I was like, a youth leader. I went to church all the time, did some missions. Then I went to university. I met a man who became a pastor. So I became a pastor's wife and I was a teacher. And that's what good Christian women should be. They should, if they are going to work, they shouldn't be anything. But and all of
1: those things are rewarded.
3: Yes. Yes. So I felt like I kind of like made it. And then my next kind of thing that I was going to be good enough at or be perfect at was being um, a mom. So I had my first child, and I very quickly realized I could not be perfect. This kind of sham of like trying to be perfect, to do right, and to believe the right things all fell apart. And then I was just left with kind of these feelings that I'd never been taught how to manage or how to navigate. And that's honestly a journey that I'm still really wrestling with, even today, with the help of therapists. And... Um, my pastor and other good friends. It's just, I default to living out of my emotions. And that can be really dangerous. I think Mm. it can be really beautiful. And so now as an adult, I'm learning to live in that tension of, no, my feelings were made in the image of God. Like who I am, the fact that I live out of my feelings has gifts that God wants me to share with the world. It matters because I'm made in the image of God. But at the same time, I have a responsibility to live wisely mm-hmm. and not only live out of my feelings because there is a danger to that as well. And so I have to kind of heal myself from all my shame from the past, but then at the same time and then accept who I am and and even enjoy the gifts God's given me as a feeler while still learning to take responsibility for maturing.
1: Right. If that makes sense? No, that's really, that's really wise. I, I'm just wondering in your experience, are there certain emotions and feelings that are more acceptable than others uh, within your experience growing up and currently that you feel, okay, I can do this. I can show this, but this one generally isn't accepted or I don't feel like is socially acceptable.
3: Absolutely. Um, anger was not acceptable and grief probably not even, I don't know that I could have even identified what grief was because disappointment wasn't really acceptable either because if you're disappointed, then you're not trusting God. It's a failure on you and you need to be able to like just walk forward in faith kind of thing. And so I would say for me, anger and grief were the two that I didn't really understand okay. at all. And anger for me was just a cover for a myriad of other emotions, sure. including grief.
1: They often say that's a secondary emotion, mm-hmm. right? What's underneath that is, is mm-hmm. what you're needing to look at.
3: Yeah. And then I did have a part of my journey where because where I grew up, we were um, emotions were not really necessarily welcome in the church at least in the celebration or during the service, I should say. But then I kind of did this pendulum swing to a church that was very celebrational. So I was like, oh, you know, my feelings are welcome here. I can celebrate. I can really enjoy worship. I can emote during the worship service. But that also came with its challenges, right? That wasn't perfect either, only celebrating, right? Right. And not dealing with pain and grief and things like that. The
1: proof of your faith or your connection with God is only in the celebrations Mm -hmm. and not in the depth that there's like, well, have more faith or pray more. You haven't arrived yet, possibly. Mm -hmm. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Janet? What has it been like for you growing up? And do you also identify with the feeling-centeredness of how you process life?
2: Yeah. Like, I just remember growing up in church saying that works and faith is before feelings and you can't let your feelings kind of control who you are. And so I always wrestled with that. And then part of it with that kind of conversation it's like, I don't feel like I actually fit into church. Partly is because I didn't know what to do with my feelings and if feelings weren't part of the faith conversation, but this is who I am. And so I didn't have the words necessary to express it or feel that. But I remember as a kid, everybody said, oh, you're so joyful. And it's like, really? But you have no idea what's going on inside me. So they always thought that I was such a happy and positive person, but it's like, no, you really don't know me because you don't know the depth of what I'm feeling and what I'm going through. But those feelings and those expressions were not, church wasn't a safe place to do that and to wrestle with what's going on.
1: I'd like to talk a little bit more about both of your experiences about the depth. My understanding of creatives in this flavor is that there is an intensity and a whole rich inner world that we don't always get to see because it's not always safe for you to express it. That's I'm just paraphrasing here and 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but can you give me a glimpse for those of us I'm not feeling centered. So mm-hmm. so this is a point of curiosity, what is it like to have that rich inner world?
3: Well, I feel like my brain never stops. Okay. And I guess maybe it's not my brain, it's my heart because <laughs> I'm not actually thinking centered, but I I feel like it's just constant. And so while that can be exciting and interesting because I feel like I'm constantly experiencing interesting things in my brain or my heart, I also can feel overwhelmed very easily. Mm-hmm. And so there's a tension there between those two kind of extremes.
2: Yeah, I the same thing. It's just that you're always feeling what's going around with you. And that's why I often go to wind down from a work or things like that is finding a TV show or a movie that will express what I'm feeling so that I can see it and be betrayed um, in front of me. And then I can kind of move through that feeling and be able to release that. And it's almost like after work or whatever, that it feels like I'm just bottling all the feelings that has happened during the work workday. Um, and so how to release that.
1: So art or music or movies or these expressions that aren't solely word related. Yeah. It resonates with you in a way that cannot be expressed otherwise yeah interesting now as a creative there's there's whole areas there's a spectrum of like in unhealth and in health when do you know you're on a good healthy trajectory and when do you know you're kind of at a slippery slope going into the abyss of deep dark feelings
2: what is that like part of it is that um When you go and feel such dark feelings, for for me it is um, when you're staying in there, um, when you're camping in it, when you don't want to move out of that, then I know that I'm in more of an unhealthy place. But then I can stay in the darkness really, really easy. But when I'm doing creatives and feeling the other spectrum of joys and beauties and seeking out the beauty in those things, then I know I'm in more of a healthy place. Hmm.
3: Yeah, I feel like I'm in a more healthy place when I'm able to f- express it. So particularly during the pandemic, there was a lot going on yeah. and it felt very you felt very isolated. So then all the stuff that I was processing, it felt like kind of a just like a storm right around me and I sat there for a while, but once I started to write about it and started to get it out in poetry or just in paragraphs, I was able to move past it. Like I was able to move through it and walk through it. But part of that too, I think for me that has to be grounded in truth. Uh, that so for me as my growth area that I've had to work through is when I feel like it's stormy and all the feelings are a lot, I need to be grounded in God's truth. And that's kind of moving towards being more like like a, the one um they are more like this is right and this is good and so I have to remind myself what is right and good and then process my feeling from that place of truth. but I have to kind of do it creatively right so when I was writing during the pandemic, it was very much like okay, how am I going to, navigate this. And I was like, okay, what do I know? I know each person is made in the image of God. I know that God called us to care for our neighbors. And so that is going to anchor me in every decision I make and every way that I approach a situation. And so, and that's what I wrote about because that was my anchor.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. So that leads me to another question that I'm curious about. What is it like to connect with God in your spiritual formation from a little girl till now? What has it been like to connect well with God? And did that look differently than the way you were taught or the way that society taught you to connect with God?
2: Yeah, I think for me, it looked very different because there was a lot of, this is what you need to do and this is what a good Christian looks like and these are the right devotions to read. And I like to think on a very deep and question a lot of things. And so the little um, kids' devotionals, that were just one page and here's your key verse. It was like, to me, it was like, this was kind of like the bread of it. It's like, I need the depth and trying to wrestle with what God had to say. And so that was a very much of a struggle. And I had no idea how to talk that through or express that or figure that out. And I also, as a four, I don't necessarily like to be stuck in a box. And so for me, traditions of general christian traditions um i had a hard time enjoying those because it's just like let's do something different let's let's express the birth of christ in a different way instead of just doing the same thing over and over again because i want more meaning to it and i love symbolism i love um, that expresses more um so let's look at something that we've always done but in a different way so that there's more life and more depth to to different Traditions in the Christian church.
1: That's a very interesting way of looking at it. I had never thought of it in this way, but different to you sounds like authenticity. Yes. 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 So, if there was a message to the church, what would you like them to know
2: about you to enrich the faith experience? To me, the church is a place that should feel safe for everybody. Um, I came across this quote from Shauna Niequist. Um, from her book, Bread and Wine. And, And I think this is what kind of the picture of what the church should be is the heart of hospitality is about creating space for someone to be seen and heard and loved. It's about declaring your table a safe zone, a place of warmth and nourishment. And that's what I see the church could be, is this place of opening your table and everybody showing up and everybody be able to express who they are and not necessarily need to have masks, but ask the deep questions and ask the meaningful questions instead of just what the weather is like. Just like one of the questions I grew up being in ministry, someone asked me is like, what does your soul look like today? And to create that. And the, to me, that question stuck to me. It's like, that's how I like to get to know people. It's like, how's your soul today? What does it look like? If you can express it. And those are the kind of conversations that I think the church needs mm-hmm. to have. And I imagine embracing the uniqueness of others,
1: because you're not just saying that I am unique and everybody else has to be yeah. a certain way. That creates a lot of inclusivity, a lot of open chairs for other people within the community to not just sit at the church's table, but for the church to sit at, in the community in an expression of diversity and warmth and belonging, which is beautiful. You You bridge that gap just simply by being you. Yeah. Because there is room. It's inherently like, I believe this. Mm-hmm. And I know you. I've seen it in your life. Marcy, I, I would love to hear your experience.
3: I would definitely agree with Janet that questions were a big part of my my faith journey and learning how do I relate to God when I've been t- told that like, following God means looking a certain way, doing certain things, believing certain things. But I have questions about those things. And why do we always do it this way? Why don't we do it this way? Why does the Bible say this, but we only do this? And, you know, all these, I had, so many questions, but I tried hard to just believe the right things and do the right things. That was kind of how I ended up a perfectionist. So then I remember changing my life significantly when I was in grade 12, uh, when I felt like I really heard from the Holy Spirit for the first time, a really clear direction in my heart to ask my sister to forgive me for something I had done in the past. And that's kind of when I started to have this journey of oh, maybe before I have to do right things, I actually need to know that I'm loved. Mm. Because I had spent my whole life, and I mean that was—I'm still in that journey. But I had spent my whole life thinking I need to do the right things if I believe the right things, I'm going to do the right things. But I didn't believe that God actually loved me. I believed that He loved me if I did the right things. And so I had this whole journey of like, no, you are beloved. You are. You just are. And that, for me as a creative, is really, really important because, like you mentioned, authenticity earlier, but also being known that I am known for who I authentically am, that I'm not, someone doesn't look at me and think, oh, you must be this way because you're always laughing. Oh, you must be this way because you're a teacher. But no, I am known, the complexity of who I am is known by somebody else really matters to me. So to know that God knows me intimately and then loves me as I am before I do, that he loves me before I do write, that's been a really big part of my growth Yeah, as a creative. And yeah, because I feel like, I am broken. There is brokenness in me. There is sin that I need to address. But but until I know that I'm beloved, I can't understand why the brokenness is even broken or why it's even painful. Yeah. I have to know I'm beloved in order to be able to to change the brokenness or to live differently and to be free of some of my brokenness. I have to first know that I'm loved and that's why it's so painful that I'm broken, Mm -hmm. right? Otherwise, if you just say, well, I'm broken, like original sin, that's it. You were a sinner. Then all I'm ever trying to do is to be better out of perfection, and to earn love rather than resting in God's love first.
1: Yeah, no, that's so rich. You're reminding me of a previous episode we had Dr. Michael Hrenick talk about the beloved. That was his whole dissertation and that sense of profound starting point. If we do not know that we are loved, and this goes for any flavor, I would say, and and we all need to know that sense of our belovedness. It it anchors us in the experiences and the perspectives that we were created to, to see the world in. And to grow in health and that security is so important. I'm wondering for the both of you, what would it look like for other people in your community, your family, your church community, the greater community? What does it look like to be loved and cared for? How can people care for you?
3: I think for me, it would be for them to be curious and ask me questions. I love. I mean, I love to talk about myself, but it doesn't. Even, yeah, be <laughs> honest. Sometimes I feel like it's selfish, but I also I just like love to explore my inner world, right? Because I have so much going on. I will always have more to say, and so to be curious and to ask questions, and particularly to not give me cliche answers,
1: mm-hmm.
3: or to give me like like hopeful things, and then but to not include the reality and the hope and the tension underlying it, like. Yeah, I, I struggle with that. I have struggled with... I have particular friends who are uh, different flavors than me. <laughs> and those relationships took a lot of work because they are both very declarative, kind of like, well, this is this is right and this is good. So just stick with God, Marcia. You know, I'm like, ah. Uh, but I have all of this. I have this mess here. And so I have learned through understanding the different types of people that they are actually a gift to me. Mm-hmm. Because without them reminding me of that, I can get stuck in my feelings. But I think... Also, I need to remind them of the tension. And so together, they need to be aware that I'm always carrying the yes, but underneath it all. And that I need to also then receive, though, that sometimes truth also. I just need to hear it.
1: Sure. And that's why we all need each other, right? Mm -hmm. It's not one better than the other. How about you, Janet? What, What would it look like
2: to be cared for well? Part of it would be to listen and just sit as I'm expressing my emotions and thoughts and feelings, uh, just sit in that. I know it's hard for other people to do that sometimes because they want to either fix it or they want to justify it or they want to give you bad answers, but to sit in what we are bringing to the table because I like to be authentic and real with people. And so I kind of expect that from other people. And so if you can bring your authentic self to the conversation and be real and be honest, then that's to me, it feels like I can see you, I can care for you. So for me, it is be okay with me questioning things, be okay with me trying to bring a different view to things, especially when I come into a creative space is give me space to put all the thoughts and feelings that are in my head, in my body, to bring it to the table. So I might need some space to be able to express what I'm feeling and thinking. And so just give me space for that.
1: And what I'm hearing you say, which is really beautiful, is that, well, first of all, I should say that creatives, Enneagram 4s, can sit with nuance to the nth degree. You are the creators of nuance, possibly. (laughs) I don't know. I won't give you that much credit, possibly. But um, you are not looking for people to fix that deep space yeah you want people to sit with you in that and what a what a relief of pressure it is on others to have to dig you out of it you just want to be seen in that and not necessarily be fixed to that happy place where people expect you to be at yeah i'll be honest often it's easier to work people into that hallelujah moment or that i'm happy now moment because it relieves my discomfort with your emotion yeah But you're telling me something else. You're telling me to sit with you in that emotion. And I think that's beautiful because that's what Jesus did. Weep with those who weep, mourn Mm -hmm. with those who mourn. And you're really bringing that quality of Jesus to the community, which I think is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So to wrap this up, I would love to hear any thoughts that you have either for those caring for creatives in their community
3: and in their home, in their church
1: or as a creative, what type of advice would you give?
3: I think for me, the most important piece of advice is to actually be willing to spend time understanding how other people are different than you. I think it's easy to assume that other people are actually kind of like you and that they think like you because we do a lot of surface living in North America, right? We do a lot of like, hey, how are you? I'm good, you busy, yeah. Kids are in sports, you know, like, and so we kind of assume our lives are the same whether someone else is a creative or not, whatever flavor they are, find out what their inner motivation is. Find out what's driving their behavior. Ask good questions and say, hey, why do you do this? Like, if, oh, I see that you like really love to meal plan. What, like, what does that motivation come from even, right? Something as mm-hmm. basic as that because people are so diverse and I just think we have so much to offer each other. And as creatives, I think primarily one of the biggest gifts we can offer to the community is inviting other people to live authentically by modeling it to them and inviting them to articulate their own inner world and what's going on in them because a lot of other people don't actually know where their feelings are coming from and have trouble even articulating their feelings. I didn't know that. I thought everyone was like me. (laughs) It took a while for me to learn that, oh, like you can't even identify what you're feeling right now, but your behavior is being affected by what you're feeling. So if I can model for you how to reflect on yourself and do that by like being authentic and having a relationship with you where I show that and where I'm willing to be vulnerable so that you can be vulnerable... I think that's a real gift that creatives have to offer the church. But I think in the same way, I need to be then curious about other people.
1: Mm -hmm. And
3: I think that's the beauty of learning different personalities is that if I can look at someone else and see the gift that they are to the world and how that's different than the gift I offer to the world, I just think that is the kingdom of God.
1: To be seen and known, to see and know others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Janet, any other thoughts
2: Kind of going back to before what Marcia was saying about the belovedness. And I came across a verse in John 15, and this is came from the message. And this is kind of how I think we need to kind of sit and walk with people. And it says, I love you the way my father loved me. Make yourself at home in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll remain intimate at home in my love. And that's what I've done keep my father's commandments and make myself at home in his love. And so if we can create safe places for people, we're talking with trauma and things like that, there's a difference about a safe place, but also felt safety. And the difference is you may perceive that a place is safe, but it is when someone else feels safe. That's two different things. So to create safe for other people to feel safe, um, for them to show up and be able to ask questions and to be themselves. I think that's where healing between each other, but healing between the church and the community can happen is when everybody feels safe. So for me, the question is, how can we do that in a good way? So right now, in this moment,
1: after sharing your feelings and your your ideas on being a creative, and, and thank you, by the way, for opening up And helping me understand, helping others understand uh, the rich inner world and the, the beauty that you bring to community. But right now, the deep probing question I have for you is what ice cream are you in the mood for?
3: I want the salted caramel waffle cone. I think it's chocolate dip with caramel and salt drizzled over it from BDI.
2: Okay. I probably would go with peanut butter. And uh, salted caramel whiskey sauce from my friend um, who has this business making all kinds of sauces. Are you inviting him to be a sponsor? Yes, I am. I am. <laughs> we may put his link in the show notes if he sponsors this <laughs> gourmet inspiration. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, and a chocolate, peanut butter and the salted caramel whiskey sauce on top.
1: Well, I what I'm taking away from that is that you're feeling in this comfort mode and this this melancholy smooth, rich flavor yes. of sitting in that and just in it just savoring yes this creamy
3: deliciousness. With a little bit of salt.
0: Thank you for joining us on our series Flavors of Care. We will continue to celebrate the uniqueness of individuals and their ways of fitting into the community, sharing different perspectives and stories from different guests. We hope you'll join us and maybe you'll come out the other side learning a little bit more about yourself and those around you. And hey, just like ice cream, podcasts are so much more fun when shared with others. So share this series with a friend or family member. And remember to visit our website, journeywithcare.ca, to stay informed of upcoming podcast meetups, all the links, information on our guests, and so much more. Again, thank you for listening, and let's stay curious.